You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Randy. And this is Jasper. And we watched two movies. And they were intriguing. <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> this is our first like proper listener requested episode. Uh, Matt D, who, if you listen to Garlic's Prime, you've heard a lot uh, about Matt D. He sent me an email, an unsolicited email. He didn't request that we do these movies, but he sent me an email randomly with a pitch for these movies. And I was like, well, we were going to do one of these movies, and I wasn't sure what movie to pair it with. So Matt just did the, he just did the work for me. So at Matt D's request, we're doing a John Carpenter, also, it's not hard to, it's not hard to twist my arm into a John Carpenter double feature. Right. We're doing a John Carpenter double feature of The Thing and Big Trouble in Little China. People love these movies. Let's just get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, so let's start with The Thing because here's why. Here's why I want to I want to start with The Thing because I need to establish my John Carpenter fandom before we get to Big Trouble in Little China. Establish your dominance. Not dominance. Alpha Carpenter well, I mean, in this room, sure, yes, but you, you'll see. The Thing from 1982, the year I was born. Born in 82? Yeah. Huh. You didn't know? That's how you're at least la- last year of 70. Who's 70? Is the 79? Nope. 82. Hmm. I can't do math, so. The Thing is a 1982 movie written by, uh, screenplay by Bill Lancaster, based on a short story by John W. Campbell Jr., directed by John Carpenter, and the plot synopsis is as such. Scientists in the Arctic are confronted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of the people it kills. This is based on a short story uh, called Who Who Goes There? This is a remake of a movie called The Thing from Outer Space. Yeah. However, this is a bit closer to the short story, which I read at some point, I don't know, when in my junior high years. I remember nothing of it. But I read it at some point. The original movie did not was not very close to the book, at least in, it, particularly in terms of the monster. So yeah, the thing. What did you think of the thing? I want to I want to kick it to you first. You know, it was very it was intriguing. Um, for one, intriguing. I was wondering what was going on at like right off the bat. Now you've never seen this before. You said you might have seen the the, I've the, seen, the I've prequel seen the 2012 version. I think yeah. it's 2012 or 2011 when the other one came out. I watched that with my buddy. Okay, but at first it was funny. The first question I had were they actually shooting at that dog with like tranquilizer darts or trying to kill it? Oh, and, when you were watching the beginning, yeah. the opening. What, dude? How, what do you think of that opening? I kind of like it because it does. It like opens and you're just like. What? Like the people yeah. blow themselves up all like accidentally blow themselves in the helicopter up and they start shooting at this dog. Yeah, and then actually with with the starting, they never really say like they never really point out anywhere in the movie that the thing has like 
was that psychic powers or whatever. Because when he tries to throw that grenade, it flies back. Mm-hmm. But they never really say if if the if the thing has like powers to do that. That's a weird assumption you would make. No, it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. They he he just messed up. Yeah, because <laughs> he made a fatal error at, and at it slipped thought, out of his hand. Yeah, I thought he like threw it back or accidentally threw it back, but it almost looked like it jumped out of his hand. Like that's what I thought. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe I was watching it wrong, but it looked like it just flew out of his hand. Nah, he just also, made a mistake. How do you drop a grenade. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But um a bad mistake. Very, very bad mistake. Mm-hmm. Blew up himself and the helicopter. Yep. I mean, that's like battlefield call of duty stuff. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was it was kinda kinda cool that they the Norwegians, when they get off that helicopter, they don't know any English, can't tell them what's mm-hmm. going on. Because mm-hmm. then I'd be like, oh, this movie's going to end soon. <laughs> yeah. That's the monster in the dock. <laughs> and then kill him. But yeah, I, I almost didn't get like, why didn't they shoot him when he shot the first guy? You know, they're like, okay, enemy, kill that dude. But it was just, it kept, kept my interest throughout most of the movie. Mm-hmm. The special effects were actually pretty good for the time. And... The freaking little the tentacle things coming out of mm-hmm. him kind of give me the creeps. Two jump scares got me in this. Really? What, yeah. what were they? I forgot what the the first one was. Is early in the movie. Okay. And the second one was when they're testing the copper to the blood. Oh yeah. Oh, that one got you. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So I good. Just I had just looked down at my phone for a second to look at a text, and it was like boom. I was like, oh shit! <laughs> like the- it was crazy. <laughs> I'll jump in with because okay, so we we've, we've started doing trivia on the show, and Jasper, you said you didn't like you didn't pull up any trivia for this one. Mm-hmm. I got trivia. I got trivia okay. in my brain. I'll hear this. So that second jump scare, scare you mentioned with the uh, the hand where the, they're testing the blood. The hand, if you pay attention, looks super fake, and they knew it looked fake. So John Carpenter intentionally used the fake hand in at least one shot before that where it didn't jump out when he tests the blood the time before, Mm -hmm. he used the fake hand just to establish, like, in the viewer's mind that, okay, well, obviously, suddenly the hand's different a little bit. But there's, but, like, he didn't want it just to be, like, on the one shot where it does blow so that people knew for sure it was coming. So he used it before they actually needed to to establish, like, no, maybe maybe there's nothing. Maybe you're just crazy, you know? You know, whatever, to Mm -hmm. establish it there. Sorry, go ahead. But yeah, I mean, for like an 80s, I mean, you would say horror movie. I did not expect that. Like, And then it had me tense the rest of the movie because I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. Nope, nope, okay. Uh huh. And then it kind of got me, I will say, in the later part of the movie when they find Blair. Mm-hmm. And that guy goes around the corner to find him and is like, and you hear the music and he's just like standing there. Uh-huh. That gave me a little bit of the creeps. Is that towards the end where he puts his hand in his face? Yeah, and he does look the... Oh. I was always so confused by that. Like, it, it's not in his mouth, it doesn't look like. It looks like it's in it's his like face. His fa- like, his face in. Yeah, like his fingers are, like, merging. in his cheeks. Yeah. He's merging himself. I kind of want to say that's, like, how they copy. It's kinda, It, it does seem like he's just absorbing. Yeah. yeah, like he's absorbing his life or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it was okay. It got me a couple times, which I didn't expect. I thought it was just gonna be kind of like because I don't remember the prequel doing that to me. Mm-hmm. But this one was good. Good. I I hadn't really thought about the jump scares because I've seen okay. So I've seen this movie dozens of times, many, oh, times, many times, and uh, and I hate it. No, I I this movie is a masterpiece. I think this movie is great. 
I'm a big John Carpenter fan, but I'm not blind to his lesser movies. So that's why I wanted to do the thing first to kind of establish that, hey, I know Carpenter movies. So when we get to Big Trouble in Little China. You come in with the low end, you come in with the high end. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've seen this movie many times. It's something I've watched like throughout my life. And uh, this is one of my all-time, I, I don't remember what I put at number one when we when we came up with our all-time favorite lists on the, the on Grolix Prime a while back. Yeah. But this is either one or two. It might be number one. It's this or The Shining. I like the siege aspect. They're stranded. They're stuck. It's not so much, it's not like your traditional siege movie where there, somebody's like trapped inside of a place and the threat's outside trying to get in. Yeah. It's, they're trapped in this place because they're in the Arctic. They can't go anywhere and somebody's already in and they don't know which, who it is and it could be any of them. Um, the paranoia is awesome. I like the tone of the movie, like literally the sound tone. I like the music by Marconi, I believe. I did like the I did like the score in this one. It's it's really cool because it starts with the first sound that comes in is that kind of synthy bass, like doom doom, doom doom. And in my mind, when I think John Carpenter score, that's one of the sounds I hear, but this is not a John Carpenter score. This is one of the few where he didn't score it. But then it gets into the more kind of traditional film score where it's a lot of orchestra and strings and some like horns and stuff, but it's just that like weird, slow dread that, you know, like a lot of long strings and stuff. It's tension and um, it fits the score fits the setting. I think perfectly the movie itself just has a strange, it has like a, I was a little concerned about how it would strike you because to me, it's got almost a sleepy feel like the movie, it seems it's cold because they're in the Arctic and it's not, it's not slow paced, but it's not like a mile a minute type thing. It is building dread and tension and paranoia interwoven with like scenes of insane, insane gore and makeup and monster effects. Like, yeah. Spider head got me, man. <laughs> yeah. That guy literally said what I was thinking. Uh huh. Where did I don't want to mess it up? I love, dude. I love that they they had him say that because when they see the spider head, it's like you've got to be kidding, you know. And yeah, it's like, like that is like he's speaking for the audience at that point. That's like I was gonna text you on on Facebook, and be like, this this head is legitimately pulling itself from its tongue. Like I was like, ah, <laughs> it just looked weird. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was, what was I going to bring up? The subtle, like, I know they probably didn't mean them as co like comedic bits, but oh my God, like I was laughing so hard when that, um, I forgot what his character's name is, but the, um, the, like the major, mm -hmm. he's like, he's sitting, he's tied to that on couch. the couch. Yeah, no, it is, dude. It is supposed to be funny because like, there's. I know you guys been through a lot, but if you got time, because you untie me from this. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, I know you boys have been through a lot. I don't want to spend all winter tied to this fucking catch, and he just wigs out. Yeah. Oh yeah, so good. There's no. There are some good lines in it that I think are supposed to be funny. There's some humor in it. That was yeah, that was weird too, because that especially when the, they test the blood. Mm-hmm. And that blood start like it hits the ground and then starts coming towards that guy. And he's like, Ch -ch -ch, like the whole chair is shaking. Like, yeah. Both tied to the couch with the thing. <laughs> freaking out. Freaking out. It's that, like every one of them, as they cleared the blood test, 
<laughs> they get to have that spasm. Get me off this fucking couch. Uh-huh. Because they're looking at the other people like this. He could be one, and I'm not. You know I'm not. Get me out of here. Mm-hmm. It's like as soon as you clear the blood test, you like look at the guy next to you like, oh, I know it's you, man. I know it's you. <laughs> that bit where the one freaks out, that's the one sequence where I feel like the makeup effects lean real heavy into the cheesy. Yeah. It looks good and it's grotesque. Like his face like balloons up kind of in weird ways. And the concept is awesome because he stands up. He gets up. He finally b- breaks free of the couch. He stands up and his face like opens up. Mm-hmm. into a mouth like a big his whole head becomes like a big mouth clamps down on the one other dude's head and then picks the other picks him up by his head and he's swinging him around there's a couple quick they're quick they were smart to keep him quick couple quick shots where you're like that's not even like a fully filled up dummy he's flinging and around he's, in the yeah, air he's just holding on to like the arms of it and just flailing like making uh, the himself it's a little i saw that it's a little noise. questionable that's like the one because the so most of the other ones where the thing is like exposed and kills people is insane. The the thing I liked about this one over over the 2011 2012 one was that they kind of kept the thing in its the the thing in its like normal state of like the, the like the thing where the the face opens. Mm-hmm. But this one they like actually had him in human form a long time like oh yeah oh, something i should have done and i can't believe i haven't done this although people have and i i suppose in past views i have viewings i have try to figure out when like the people you know are the thing at some point try to figure out when it happened but i it opens it up the movie by by its placing of who's with who at what times like it opens it up to be like it could almost be anybody at any time right um so i think it's with the exception of one that I can think of for sure, where you don't, you're not supposed to know for a while, it's pretty vague. Like I don't know if you could guess it. The one I say that you could guess it is the one who seems like he has a heart attack and doesn't get exposed until the doctor's like giving him the the shocks. That, you know that actually got me too. He was. I did not expect the hands through the chest thing. That's so crazy. Here's a little bit of trivia how they went about that. Obviously, that's a rig on the table, right? Mm-hmm. But when the doctor puts his arms down through and it clamps down and he pulls the arms away, they they just hired a guy who kind of a little bit looked like the actor. And maybe they slapped a mask on him, but an amputee who they, you know, then attached like fake prosthetic arms into the con- contraption. So he pulls it loose and like there's the one shot where he's like, you know, that's the, yeah, he's a. I a wonder stand in you, stunt double, I guess. Being being kind of like intrigued with mechanical stuff, I mm-hmm. wonder if when he put his hands down is what closes the teeth, like the there is he push pushes the bottom of it and the teeth come in. There is so much out there, and if you're into movie uh, like how they did special effects, um, especially um, practical effects and stuff, look up any kind of behind the scenes uh, videos or anything on the thing, because there's a lot of information out there. The effects were done by, I believe it was Rob. I've heard his name pronounced several ways. Most of my life, I heard people call him Rob uh, Botten, mm-hmm. but I've also heard it pronounced Rob Botin. So, but he's a very well, he's a very well known makeup artist. He headed, I believe he headed the team on this one and it, all the stories sound horrible. Like, where it's like super hot in the room that they're filming in and they've got like four or five dudes like under the table trying to man this stuff. And then a lot of the chemicals and like materials they used for some of the effects were super toxic. That reminds me of another, another little bit of trivia. 
is the scene where they first they they go to the Norwegian camp. Also, I enjoyed that McCready kept calling them Swedes, and yeah. the doctor kept correcting him. <laughs> they're Norwegians. They're they're Norwegians, Mac. <laughs> but uh, so they go to the camp. They find the 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 weird first deformed body that they find. That bring it back to their camp. And when they open it up, and they're all like shocked and looking at it. Apparently, the stuff they made to do the um the steam stuff that comes off of it smelled horrible so everyone's like reactions of like like it's actually legit it's legit they said it was like the worst smelling thing they've ever smelled so they just rolled with it like the reactions the the creepy thing about that i think it was the first the first monster they Mm -hmm. they find with the face oh man the tongue was like connecting the two faces oh yeah it's it's really bothersome. Like I kind of understand this movie bombed in the theater, and I almost paired this with ET because a lot of times people cite ET as part of the reason this movie bombed. ET was a huge hit. It came out two weeks before this movie was released. Everybody was coming off of ET, friendly, happy alien movie, and then they get hit with the thing, which is just about as polar opposite to ET as you can possibly get. I don't know if there's any like legitimacy to that or. 82 audiences were a bit different, but mainstream audiences, like, I don't see some of the grotesqueness in this movie going over well with them. This one had an R rating, didn't it? Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's, I, like I said, the special effects were, like, because even though, again, CGI era that I grew up in, it's good to see, like, that old, like, I think it's just because I like creating things that you, someone actually sat there and was like, this is how it's going to look. Especially like when they he burst out of the, um, I think that was the doc scene mm-hmm. with the with the heart heart attack. Mm-hmm. You could kind of tell that they made it just tall enough so that it would touch that vent. I was wondering if they used the vent to turn the head and stuff. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah I was like, oh, he's tall, just tall enough that he hits the roof. <laughs> back in the day, and it, it seems like they ran it in the middle of the night. So back in the VCR days, I'd set up my timer because that's how you wanted to record some. You had to record something if it was going to be on when you weren't around. And I'd record this show called, I don't know if it was Movie Magic or something generic, but it was all about how they did effects in movies. To me, that stuff used to be super interesting. And I still watch videos like that on YouTube. I mean, that's the nice thing about YouTube is all that kind of stuff you can find out. But effects videos now are different. Practical effects, to me, are interesting to see how they actually, the technical aspects, how they accomplished it. Digital effects, I like to see before and afters, like green screen footage, you know, the plates and stuff and like how it's composited. You can't, there's no point in getting into the technical how they did it because they did it on computers and I'm not going to watch a dude for a thousand hours composite some video, you know? Yeah. And it's still weird too, like with Star Wars and Marvel, um, how they still, they do, they do um, digital effects. I'm going to keep a running tally. And if you ever don't mention Marvel in one of these episodes, I tried I'll give you like one. an ice cream sundae or something. I was going to say something about the graphics in MCU, but anyway. No, but... Um, graphics? What, MCU on PS, like, PS3 or something? No, okay, I meant... Visual effects? CGI, you son of a b- Visual effects? Visual effects. Anyway, um, no, the so like even with digital effects, they have to have like... So it was it the Clone Wars with Star Wars, so they had the really tall... I forgot what planet they're from, but where they go to check and in, inspect the clones, they had to have someone wear a thing mm-hmm. with that head so they knew where to look. <laughs> yeah. And they did the same thing with like Hulk and stuff where he's wearing like a body 
body things so they know where they like so they still even with like cgi still have to have practical like okay this is where i'm looking mm-hmm. you know so it's easier to match up eye lines yeah. and stuff easier for the actors yeah because you don't want to just be like you know turn your head and just look straight into their chest mm-hmm. but like i said though i do i do like cgi but i also like watching the, the old practical effects mm-hmm. you know like someone's hands coming off when clamped by teeth because you know cgi would have showed you like all the the skin coming apart and so and i know we generally like should try to stick to the movie at hand when we're reviewing one but i don't remember i watched i watched the 2011 the thing the prequel Mm -hmm. once and i don't remember like jack from it i do remember the end they leads perfectly into the beginning of this movie but i do know that people were super disappointed because it was initially advertised as being um they were going to do all practical effects and that was actually kind of a selling point and they did they shot it with all practical effects which awesome awesome yeah then the studio got scared last minute that that modern audiences wouldn't dig it and they replaced a bunch of it with cgi weak sauce weak sauce you can just tell like i've said it before man these episodes they just every episode turns into like rant cgi CGI rant. We're gonna have to get over that. You're gonna have to get over that, Jasper. I say, hey, I was, I was given respect. Yes, Marvel movies have great CGI. I was giving respect to old special effects. Old? Well, like, cause, like, it. You know what? <laughs> no, like, so on Facebook, on Facebook, I follow Stan Winston's School of Arts. Oh yeah. And it's it's kind of funny because they kind of say it in a couple of their videos that they had to open. They used to have just people that did models and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but now they have a whole wing of digital effects. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can kind of tell that they're kind of scared that the, the the sculpting and all the set design and stuff is just going to go by the wayside. Which to me that sucks because it does. That's a mastery. That's that's a and if that's an art form going away. You know, like if it's well done, and I know it costs money, but if it's well done, a big elaborate physical set is always more like impressive to me. There's some great matte paintings. And I mentioned that, you know, I do still like watching effects videos, like modern effects videos, even though it's basically a bunch of before and after, because there's a lot of like even TV shows where they're using matte paintings and compositing for just regular scenes, which I guess is kind of a bummer, but that I would have never guessed. So like they can do some impressive stuff, but if they're going for spectacle, I think if you can accomplish it, in a realistic manner, physically, that always looks more impressive to me. The cast. Let's talk about the cast real okay. quick because I forgot to re- read them off. Kurt Russell. Max von Sydow. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, he's not in this one, is he? He'd be good, though. I need to start I need to start a tally for, for episodes. I think he would... Like, this episode, MCU, how many times num- <laughs> mentioned? CGI, how many times mentioned? Max von Sydow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just stats. I think he would play Doc really good or Blair. I kind of see him as Gary. That's his name. The guy who was mad about being still tied to the couch. The general? Yeah. Or not general major or something? Sure. Whatever he is. Whatever. call him Gary here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Keith David. Keith, Keith David. David. Wilford Brimley. He's the Doc. Heard that name. How, how do you not immediately know who he is? I, Jasper. I'm sorry. This is people. This is what I work with. Come on. I'm sorry. This is what I have to work with. I'm sorry. It's Wilford Brimley, man. 
What was he in? Diabetes commercials. Oh, is that him? Yeah. That's where I've heard that name. I know. I, I know that's Oliver. where you... What? Yeah, I thought that guy's name was Oliver. I don't know you. <laughs> the major or general or whatever it is you keep referring to him as is Donald Moffat. It has Richard Dysart, Charles Hollihan, TK, TK, Hart, TK Carter. I've heard that name. And a bunch of other people. Several other people. Unmentionable. No, they're okay, but like, there's no point in just reading off names that mm-hmm. most people... If, if, if you don't get Wilford Brimley, why should I read these other people's names? You're not going to know any of them. But those are the notable ones that... Diabetes like, comes at you like a monster. The thing. Gee, gee. <laughs> gets in your blood. Um, diabetes. So what if diabetes tests were like the blood test in the thing? Make just it cop. <laughs> make it exciting it's like boom i got diabetes man um wow we need to stop following this line of thought so what do you think of the cast how do you think how do you think they did i thought they did pretty good um the only guy i kind of i kind of liked but almost disliked was i can't remember his name um the one that got shot in the head and he's tied to the The dog guy yeah Mm -hmm. he's like man a few words but he's just like that stare he had was awesome like you know that, and he loved those dogs, man. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't. I know. I just, I felt bad, so bad after they blood tested him as they're dead on the pool table. I liked McCready's reaction to that though, because Childs, Childs, Keith David, Childs like kind of rides him about it, you know, and so that makes you a murderer. Mm-hmm. And I like McCready's reaction. It's almost a non-reaction because he doesn't have time to even think about it. He needs to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. But there's just enough of like him thinking about it where you're like, yeah, he probably feels pretty bad about that. But at that point he's had to stick a dynamite or like a wad of dynamite in his hand for the last probably 30 minutes, uh, ready to blow everybody up. So, you know, he's not too concerned. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So the direction is great. I like the cinematography and the set. The set's kind of claustrophobic when they're in there, but the dog, the dog actor, that dog that comes in and wanders around, is probably the best dog actor I've ever seen because he the way he like slowly paces around the place and there's even the, the scene where he gets to the first person you only see their shadow mm-hmm. it's totally it's totally the guy that has the heart attack you can tell which yeah. is pretty early which means he's been the thing for a long time but like the way the dog walks slowly through the hallway goes towards the door it pauses for a second before going in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know like a listener's probably like, this guy's an idiot. No, like it's it's pretty good because it's all one take there. And I've I've might have watched the commentary track on this a couple times. They were super impressed. They're like, we the dog was perfect. Especially like when he walks into the cage, and I know it's of course, you know a, There's somebody just off scene, but a trainer. He's, but he's the way so cautious. What that conveyed to me is the monster doesn't really kind of know how to sit down like a dog. And then so he the dog's sits kind of going slow. Like, okay, I think I'm looking like a dog. <laughs> like, well, so then he sits down and he's facing forward. Mm. And the first shot, my mind is like, there's obviously the trainer. It's like holding something right on the other side. The dog's facing forward. But then they do this most this a super smart thing. They cut to the reverse shot where you see the dog. It's just sitting there facing like staring at the wall. Yeah. The fact that the it's just the wall there and the dog's just still staring forward makes it super creepy. Yeah, because then it's like because then you get the feeling even it's not an actor, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not someone acting like a human, but it's just trying to sit there and not be detected by the other dog. Yeah. 
And for a second, you feel like, okay, that's not a dog. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's just really well done. But when he turns into the thing, man, that was... The whole dog scene is pretty hardcore. I, I like, think Ooh. I think that's another scene people have trouble with. Mm-hmm. It's so well done, though. And <laughs> you, you kind of feel bad for the dogs during the filming. Like, the one dog gets sprayed with some, like, goop. He does not look happy. He does mm-hmm. not look happy to be, in, be getting sprayed with this. But also, like, the, they have the one dog trying to chew through the cage. I'm not sure what they replaced the chain wire or the, what is the chain, chain link fence? Link, I would say. I don't know what they replaced it with, but, like, it looked good still. And that dog was tearing chunks out of it. I wonder how hard it was to give a command to one of them and not the others pick it up. Like, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I wonder if the other ones were off a different trainer and that one was just because that's why I almost thought, like, hand signals and dogs would see him like, okay, all of us do it. Like. Mm-hmm. But how that one kind of like turns towards the fence and is like, looks like he's like, hey, dude, like, come back, please. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, like how he's barking. And maybe, maybe it's just through editing or they just happen to get the right footage and they could cut it together. So it like sells it, but it sells it. Like, I don't know. It's so, it's such a weird thing to like compliment a movie on. Yeah. But usually in movies, when you see animals for any amount of time, you can tell it and you just accept it because you're like, it's still an animal. Like, I get it. But you can tell the animal is looking at a trainer that's just off the camera. Yeah. It's not looking at what it should be looking in the scene. It's just there because it's waiting for a response from the trainer or whatever. But most of the time in this, like, I don't get that feel. It seems like the dog's just there doing what it would be doing. Right. The dogs, plural. And they say in movies, like, never, what is it, never write a script with dogs or children because they're super hard to work with on, right on set do you want to talk about the end yeah okay i love it they actually had filmed an alternate they had filmed an extra scene the studio was super nervous about it so they talked carpenter into filming an extra scene that was kurt russell's character in like a i don't know like a investigation room or a holding cell or a white room some type of room yeah to infer that like they had gotten rescued somehow. Luckily, though, they didn't go with that because I feel, and you know, most people don't like this, they want like definitive closure. And I have a feeling that's probably how you feel about it. But I like the open-ended where you don't know if one or both of them is the creature because it's it's uh, Kurt Russell and Keith David, and you don't know if they're going to get rescued. It looks most likely, in my mind, they don't. They both just sit there and freeze until eventually somebody comes along and then the thing escapes. What did you, how did you feel about it? Who do you think, who do you think is and who is not, or are they not at all? There's so many theories. There's, there's, this is something that comes up with a lot of debate. In fact, a while ago, people were saying that the cinematographer had given a hint as to like a way you could tell who was the thing at any given time or at certain times. And then later the, the cinematographer debunked it. But what the cinematographer, I believe it was a cinematographer had said is that they lit the eyes of the char- of a, a character who was the thing differently. So there was supposed to be like different reflections. Now, I felt like when the dog the was eyes. on the pool table, it had different eyes. But supposedly there's a, like a, some little giveaway in the lighting that you could see reflected in their eyes or something. Something, which is pretty weird, right? So I don't know. I kind of feel like if they were to say this is who it was, they'd probably pick Keith David. Because McCready... 
is kind of our main character. There's this is an ensemble cast. Like there's a lot of characters, but he steps up. He's the leader. He's kind of our main character. I believe the movie follows him generally more than other people. Yeah. And they left that open to where during the big fight, the big, like, I guess you'd call it action sequence. The final climactic sequence, Keith David's nowhere to be found. I guess, who do I feel? I don't know. I love the idea of maybe both of them, but that would suck. (laughs) I only, I would only say Keith David because one, he disappeared kind of at the end there, but two, the way he's kind of standing when he talks to him. Yeah. Kind of puts you like you might have something inside him because he's like standing like straight up and you know, kind of talking to him. I believe I heard following that thing people were saying about the, the light in their eyes or whatever. I believe, I believe it's Keith David. I kind of like the idea that it's McCready, but if the blood test is to be believed, you know at least who who isn't at its towards the end of the end of the movie, but you don't know what happens between. You know, right. <sighs> I know there's more, but let's we let's move forward. Okay. Star ratings. I give it a solid solid three and a half. Three and a half? Okay. Mm-hmm. Five stars. Five stars. Well, okay. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Why did you why do you give this three and a half? Little summary, I guess. The only reason I do that is because it was kinda for me, it was kind of just jumping around a lot. And it was kinda hard to follow sometimes. I mean, that could just be me, but it's just like I got lost. How many people times. how many let me ask you this? How many people were talking to you? In your ear None. on freaking Xbox while you were watching this? None. Good. I don't think so. Yeah, no. Okay. I don't think so. Okay, I'm sorry to, to interrupt. But yeah, the the, the jumping around kind of got me a little bit. I just kind of getting, I kind of got lost because I like, I think it's mostly because I was focusing on, I in my head was thinking like, who is who is it? Mm-hmm. Who's got it? Oh, yeah. And I would get like so stuck in there, I like staring at the TV, but I'm like in my head, I'm like, oh. It's him. <laughs> like that's good though. I like that. That's what the movie is trying to do to you. But yeah, that was my only issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I give this five stars uh, because it's just one of the best movies. It's the direction is solid. The cinematography is solid. The the score, I love it. The acting's good. The characters are interesting. It's got good commentary. Good like social commentary, which is something I always appreciate in in horror. I think a lot of good horror should be driven more it should have like it doesn't have to be so on the nose all the time but it should be driven by some type of a social commentary mm-hmm. and it isn't just there's a monster coming to get us how do we get away it's there's a monster and that monster could be any one of us and i don't recall i think one of the characters like to the point where they have to doubt themselves like how would they do will they know if they've been taken over and their monster when Keith, da- when Keith David's character, when Childs gets the blood test and it like, psh, and it fizzles and he's not the thing, he looks relieved. He goes, oh, and he's like, cause he, like he was unsure. Right. So that is super effective. And when we were, I mentioned this is like at the top, if it's not number one, it's number two of my like all time favorite horror movies. And we talked about that on Grolic's podcast a while back. Apparently I have a, I have a thing for winter horror movies set in a location during the winter that you're stuck in. It just, to me, apparently makes everything scarier. That's like when they pointed out in the movie that he's like, it's winter now. I'm like, isn't it technically always winter there? <laughs> like, Yeah, but I imagine it gets way colder during the actual winter. Right. You know, before it's freezing, now it's freaking freezing. It was cold, now it's real cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's the insane gore. Like, it's a, it's a, at least I, I feel that it's a 
pretty smart horror movie, but it also has insane gore. <laughs> Just blood everywhere. <laughs> and it's kind of bothersome, man. Those those like makeup pieces, those um, prosthetics and stuff are really disturbing. Like even still, the the people that design that stuff. Dude, like I said, that stomach on the table thing got me. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like, that was gory for one and it kind of surprised me. But yeah. That's not dog. You see that? That's not dog. At one point, the guy's wigging out because he's figured it out. He figures at one point, was it the doctor? It was Blair. No, not the doctor. It was Blair. Figures out, like, we can't let this off of here. We can't let this escape. This will take over the entire world. So that's why he goes crazy and is destroying the helicopters and the communication and stuff. So they can't escape because he doesn't want it to get off the get out of there. But when he's going ape and he's he's destroying the communications gear and they're all like in the hallway, like, and he's got the gun. <laughs> he, the dude, pop, well, I don't remember who, but one of the guys pops his head around the corner and he's like, yo, calm down. And <laughs> it was, it was, um, child's. Was it Blair that was flipping out or was it the doctor? No, it was Blair. Okay. That's why they, they, um, locked him in the tool shed. So Blair's flipping out. He's got the gun and he goes, it strikes me as so funny. I'll kill you, you. And he starts shooting the gun at him. I'm like, I'll kill you, you. Like, really? This is a weird, like old time, old, old, I don't know, weird, outdated way of delivering that line. It's, it's so like funny. Got his name. I'll kill you, you. What is this? Elmer Fudd? Like, <laughs> I know. I like how he like comes around the corner. He's like, hey, man, come. And then the gunshot is coming. He's like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> it gets out of the way. Also, with that said, I'd like to point out how fast he made his little under the tool shed base. There's like a toolbox and all that stuff. Wasn't there like crazy tunnels and stuff? Yeah, like how long was he there? <laughs> I, that's one thing I was wondering in this last viewing. I was like, the tunnels though, how? I'm guessing maybe the tunnels were there already because the tunnels would have had to have been there, right? That's what I kind of thought, but I was like, because there's uh-huh. like, there's supports and stuff. I'm yeah, like, the tunnels must have been there. He probably just there. tunneled under the thing to where the tunnels were. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Because I'm like, where did you get a toolbox? Where did you get? <laughs> there are actually, uh, one more piece of trivia, there are actually effects that were not good enough that they shot um the last iteration of the thing that mccready blows up Mm -hmm. he's got his little line his line i can't say it here but he's got his like kind of one-liner that Mm -hmm. before he throws the dynamite or whatever it is there's some shots that they filmed but they didn't use but they did stop motion um so you can kind of get wider you know a little bit further back but you can see like more of the movement and carpenter cut it he decided not to use it because it looked too fake so even in the practical world they're still like nah that doesn't work get it out of there right and it, i think it was wise because you can it you, you can see the deleted scenes probably online so wow that went on way longer than i expected we didn't set our timer something like something it's like someone likes this movie a lot so from the icy cold of the arctic to the Something of little... The streets of San Francisco. Yeah. Okay, so, Jasper, tell us about tell us about this other movie we watched. It was Big Trouble, Big Trouble in Little China, when trucker Jack Burton agreed to take his friend Wang Chi to pick up his fiancée at the airport, he never expected to get involved in a supernatural battle between good and evil. Wang's fiancée has emerald green eyes, which make her a perfect target for the immortal sorcerer named Lo Pan and his three invincible cronies. 
Lopan must marry a girl with green eyes so he can regain his physical form. Now, Jack must save Wang's fiance from Lopan and his henchmen and win back his stolen truck. But how can he defeat an enemy who has no body? Directed by none other than John Car- Carpenter. John Carpenter. Jo- John Carpenter. There we go. John Connor Carpenter. Um, has Gary Goldman, David Z. Weinstein, and W.D. Rickerton. No, Richter. Sorry. That cut it off. Um, as the writers. Okay. And stars Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall, Cattrall, Cattrall. Dennis Dune, and James Hong, which I know that person, has Victor Wong in it, and Kate Burton as Margot. Okay. What, was, what, did, what did you think of this? Okay, so I like this movie. It's fine. People love this movie. I know people, like a lot of people really like this movie. I'm not kind of don't like it too (laughs) i'm not a huge fan of this movie it's probably one of my least favorite john carpenter movies pre 90s i hate the characters no that's not true i hate this is gonna sound terrible i hate the white characters i hate the white characters the the uh the chinese characters i'm fine i kind of like them i like the little i like the i'm gonna i'm terrible with names i like the little guy who should be the main character of this movie really Mm -hmm. um I love Egg. What's his full name? I don't want to just call him Egg. I think it's Egg Yoon or Egg Shen. Egg Shen. I love Egg Shen. I like that actor. He shows up in other John Carpenter movies. I can't stand Kurt Russell's character right from the get-go. His little speech on his... He's a trucker. His little speech on his... Like he gives on his... I I just can't stand him. That's probably like the main thing that's always kind of turned me off is that I I don't like his love interest. I don't care for her. I, I like the look of it. I like the look of the movie. It's bright. It's colorful. The effects are pretty awesome. The action is not great. It's not bad, but I think even at the time, like their martial arts movies were able to, it's just not very fluid. It's not very fluid. It's kind of chunky. Martial arts was not very exciting to me in this. I like Lopan when he's the old guy. He's actually pretty funny. Like mm-hmm. I think they make a point to make him funny. There are some uh, occasional humorous lines that made me chuckle between um like Kurt Russell and other characters. I like I do like Kurt Russell's relationship with uh the little guy. I'm just going to call him the little guy. But the reason this movie is worth it to me is for Raiden. The Three Storms, is that what they call him? The Three Storms? Mm-hmm. Those guys are awesome. Like those guys are beyond awesome. I'm kind of surprised. I've never heard of a lawsuit uh, between whoever has the rights to this movie and the Mortal Kombat people because, sure, the story's different, but Shang Tsung, uh, Raiden, and the green effect they use in Mortal Kombat games to like represent souls are pulled straight out of this movie. I did like how they floated him in from the from the sky. I thought that was pretty. I thought they did that very well. Um, except the one guy, is he like holding on to the lightning? I love that. He is. He's holding on to the lightning. I think that's awesome. Hold on to the lightning. Dude, I think it's sweet. Um, but yeah, I thought those guys, except that guy always going, <gasps> like, do they? He, he was the weakest one. What was he supposed to be? Like, wind or something? I, I do not know. I'm going to fill myself with air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was pretty weak. The lightning guy's the best. It's weird, and I just because it's like American action movie meets, you know, uh, a kung fu movie. It's like Top Gun meets IP Man. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, it was just so the speech. I was like, oh, this movie's gonna be so stupid, but it. I did like the action. I thought the mm-hmm. action was pretty good. Action was really good. And I kind of like that thing he did right off the bat where he's like showing him the lightning. I liked the, um, yeah, I like that intro scene where it's like a little hype you up for for this. It establishes that it's going to be like a kind of this ridiculous fantasy. And just like, like I said, the special effects in this one are just really weird off the wall. Like the monster, the floating. Oh man, that ball. was, that thing was awesome. But and he gets like stabbed in the face and his eyes cross and like. Awesome, but disgusting. Yeah. Kind of goofy. And just. It was just really off the wall. I will say that I didn't really like Kurt Russell. Uh, kind of going off what you said, like Kurt Russell's character, and then like how kind of stupid the reporter is. She's oh. like, how am I so naive? Like, Oh, yeah. I didn't oh, care for man. that. It was bad. Parts of that were, were very painful to watch. Yeah, I didn't dig the comedy of it. Yeah. And since this is supposed to be like a comedy action movie, that's a big part of it. I feel bad. Like I should have. I always feel like I need to let you go first on the reviews because I do not want to color your reviews. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't this, copy my. Don't 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 adopt my opinion of it. You. I want to hear your true I just, opinion. I, um, I want to hear your real opinion, Jasper. You loved it. This is your dude. Jack Burton is your kind of guy. No, he does. You remind me of very low grade Flash Gordon. He he's got more personality than Flash, but I, in this case, than Flash Gordon. In this case, I don't know that that's a good. Like thing. Him and Flash would make really good friends. <laughs> he's terrible though. Jack Burton, like he's super inept. <laughs> what was his superpower that he got? Oh, I guess his reaction. Yeah, though. The knife thing. It's like all the time or whatever he says, or it's all it's about in, reflexes. Yeah, yeah. I knew that was gonna happen when that when the guy throws a knife at him. I'm like, he's gonna catch it and throw it back. All in all, the movie was decent, but like it just, I felt like it was just a comedy, like a just it is. comedy, comedy. Yeah, it's supposed to be like not you know, it's not it's not serious at all, and maybe that's part of my problem with it. It's just like I get it; it's fun. I'd say it's well made. I I can understand why people like it, especially people of a certain age. It's this is very much like a nostalgia type movie for a lot of people, and I think. I apologize, listener. I think people, there's a lot of people out there going to be upset with my opinion of it, but I've never really been that big of a fan. Like, Melanie loves this movie, and I'm a big fan of John Carpenter, and she'd be like, let's watch this. And I'm like, uh, I've always been like, I don't, I don't know if I want to, oh, you don't like Big Trouble in Little China? I'm like, yeah, I do, but I'd rather watch The Thing or They Live or Prince of Darkness or any, like, just name almost any other John Carpenter movie except for Vampires. And I think I'd rather watch that. So we're going to get a little bit of tidbits here. I'm going to get your opinion on them. Okay. You were whole, you have some type of tidbit for me that you're excited about. Oh, so, so the first one is Kurt Russell turned down the lead role of Connor McLeod in Highlander. Oh yeah. To, to appear in this film. Both movies were made and released by 20th century Fox. Okay. I, I would say, I don't think Russell would have been a good Highlander would be different. I like Kurt Russell. Okay, so I hate his character in this, but I like Kurt Russell. I think we would have got more of the thing Kurt Russell in that one. I love the thing Kurt Russell. He's moody. Mm-hmm. You'd, I wouldn't want to hang out with the thing Kurt Russell, but I like him more than Jack Burton. Kurt Russell based uh, Jack Burton on John Wayne. In Escape from New York, he based Snake Plissken on Clint Eastwood. Escape from New York. How did I not mention that one? Yeah. Talking about our whole rant about special effects... Uh, John Carpenter yelled at a special effects coordinator after one of the squibs on the wall went off much sooner than expected. 
Kurt Russell said it was one of the few times he ever saw Carpenter lose his cool on set. Really? Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say this movie was probably still a good decision for Kurt Russell because he's worked with Carpenter a lot. Like, generally, when they've worked together, it's usually good. Uh, well, maybe not in the box office, but it's it's usually good. Yeah. The body count was 46. People died. Nice. Okay. That's pretty good. Higher than the last one. <laughs> in the final scene that has a character lightning, the guy with the lightning, Uh huh. the last shot of the lightning shows a Chinese character for Carpenter. Oh, really? Yeah. That's fun. And so we come to the last tidbit that will just make your blood maybe boil or not because you didn't really like this movie. There is currently being developed for a remake starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, oh, uh, (laughs) I still am not. uh, No, they don't need to remake it. Just stop. Just stop it. Why? And why put The Rock in everything? Just stop it. Just stop it. There's no need for The Rock to be in that movie. We don't need to remake this, and we don't need The Rock in it. Though. What happened? They have, like, Jackie Chan play the side. Here's the thing, though. Jack Burton's, like. Like he's like it's Kurt Russell. He's a good looking dude, and he like plays it like he's cool. He doesn't come across as cool to me. Mm-mm. And if they if they cast The Rock in a in a remake of this, they're gonna make Jack Burton like an awesome action hero. And I part of what I appreciate it makes the character annoying, but part of what I appreciate is that Jack Burton is an inept action hero. He's not good. During the last fight, he spends half of it knocked out because he's an idiot and shot his gun into the ceiling and a piece of rock knocks him out. And the other half of it stuck under the one bad guy he killed who dies on top of him and he can't get him off of him. Like the the joke is that he's all bravado and all like talk, but he's like not very good. So yeah, they're not going to do that with the rock. That's what they got. Or what offset me too was the the poster for this is him holding that little machine pistol, but he doesn't know how to use it. Like they make it look like he's this action hero on the poster, and that's the joke. Like I, I get it, I appreciate that, but yeah, the one thing that struck me as weird, and it must be, I'm guessing it's a plays into that joke of where he looks like he talks like a tough guy, and he looks like he's supposed to be the big action hero, but the he shoots a guy like the first guy he shoots and. One of the guys with him is like, was that the first time you ever plugged somebody? And he's like, well, no, of course not. What? Yeah. What? Is that the first time you've ever murdered a man? Uh, uh, no, uh, I'm more manly than that. What? Yeah. Come on. I was wondering that too. I was like, what? But it's got to be, it's absurd. But I, I'm guessing it's maybe supposed to be a joke on like, you know, 80s action movies where they're just like the hero just goes around blowing everybody away without a second thought so maybe it's a joke on that i don't know i feel bad i don't want to there's merit to this movie i just don't want to totally trash it it's just watching it i was really like i there's okay i it does have kind of the nostalgia value to me a little bit my summary is wtf the whole movie yeah man the the three storms those guys make it for me like those that's the best part those guys are awesome i would like almost like if they just made another movie based on those guys they're awesome Mm-hmm. So I was going to, we should call it SJW Corner. I was going to mention it during the thing, but it's not as evident there, I guess, maybe to me, since I'm a man, but SJW Corner, all right? How racist is this movie on a scale of, I don't know. Dude, there is some lines now that I, then I now that I think about it, like the whole Chinese, like when he's talking about Chinese heritage and stuff. Dude, 
it's like, I mean, there's no like racial slurs, but the premise of the movie could be taken as being very racist. And I don't know what the general consensus is on it now. I'm assuming people think, hey, this is a racist movie. I don't think the writers or John Carpenter were trying to be racist. I think they were like, hey, let's take, well, it's like you said, let's take, you know, American big action movie. And it does not, even though it plays Jack Burton off to be like cool in the end, but like that makes the white guy, the big American action hero, kind of an idiot. And it makes the Chinese characters, most of them are the ones that like do the main of the, like the bulk of the saving and stuff. Mm -hmm. Kind of. But so I get the idea of like big American action movie mixed with Chinese heritage based fantasy and kung fu movies. Mm -hmm. And it's the 80s still, of course. But like, I just don't know. Like, I I don't know that it plays very well now because it could be kind of degrading. To be honest, I don't know that it played well then. Can I share something with you? Yes. Do you have a thought? You look no. Um. First, what are what's my only thing? I, if, I just thought about this again. the The funny part was when he's in the the guy's in the wheelchair, the old guy or the the version of Lopan, where he um the girl Gracie is talking and he's like like mouth in her and then he like puts his finger in her and she tries to bite it. Oh yeah. He's like uh huh. Okay, so let me share this with you. I wish more newspapers did this. This is an article from the LA Times, July 11th, 1986, which is online. I love that they have an article from 1986 online. That's awesome because it really does kind of highlight how the times have changed. But the article title is Asians Divided Over Big Trouble because I was I was kind of like, well, what? I know people now are probably like, yeah, that movie's pretty racist. But what was the thinking of it at the time? And at the time, people were like, yeah, that movie's kind of racist. <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China, which features a white truck driver, Kurt Russell, rescuing San Francisco Chinatown from a wicked Chinese sorcerer, is stirring up more than a little trouble of its own. Chinese for Affirmative Action and other members of Asian media groups say it is unlikely that a white man would come into an Asian community to save the day, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Not necessarily untrue, but it's funny that that's what they would say. Let's see. They also say that director John Carpenter's comedy adventure, which had a mediocre box office, which had mediocre box office figures its first five days, is racist and will encourage anti-Asian prejudices amongst young moviegoers. Here's the thing where it's just like, wow, things have changed. 20th Century Fox, however, maintains that every Hollywood film has stereotypes and any reasonable viewer can tell that the movie is merely fantasy. Can you imagine? They Nowadays, they would have just pulled the movie. Well, can you imagine if a movie came out, and it's, it, movies do, people are like, this is racist. And 20th Century Fox was like, huh, every Hollywood movie has stereotypes. Any reasonable viewer can see it's just a movie. It's just fantasy. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if that was the movie studio's reaction to this? My mind exploded when I read this. I was like, Wow. So it's not just that like people's sentiment of things of of of, of this has changed. It's like no, the things were like this. Things were just the idea that the studio would be like there's stereotypes in all the movies. That's crazy, man. I, I loved it. I was like 
that's insane. That is truly like a sign of the times. And I love that LA Times has this old article on here. But basically, no, a lot of people were upset. Asian affirmative action groups and stuff that that were upset by it. Like especially like like the name of the tour. I think it was Egg Fu Young Tours. Yeah. They didn't go So there's no like racial slurs and there's no uh, other than maybe that. There's no like obvious riffing on Chinese sounding names, you know, like we too low, that whole thing. But a lot of people, a lot of issues were that the main character is white, even though the Chinese characters are like doing all the main stuff, but they still give the white character like the villain kill. They didn't phrase it like that, but he ultimately saves the day, that type of thing. Right. And I get that. But some of the actors, like the actor that played Rain, one of the three storms said the movie can't be taken seriously. It's tongue in cheek. It can't be taken in the same genre as year of the dragon, which I guess came out around there and was called racist. So the, like the counter argument is that people are like, but there's actually like the majority of the cast are Chinese Americans with Chinese accents. Like some of them have pretty heavy Chinese accents getting a lot more play in this movie than they would in other movies. Um, so that's kind of the counter argument. I think one of the things now that plays really problematic is the whole ancient Chinese secret thing, mm-hmm. like which used to be a commercial slogan, you know, ancient Chinese secret, huh? And that's kind of not, that's weird. Like, and the, like this movie is like the whole like lore of the movie is ancient Chinese secret. Right. You know, there's, there's these Chinese sorcerers and stuff and like all Chinese know this. It's just a lot of them don't want to believe it. Yeah, we didn't want to believe it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. Um, The other SJW corner aspect to this is that's not what we're going to call this segment. But if we're going to do a lot of older movies, this type of stuff's going to come up. So we need to come up with a name for it. Corner? I don't know. (laughs) Corner. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing is, and we've already encountered this. Although I think this movie's worse about it. And if we do more older movies, it's, we're going to keep coming across it. Because this is this is a cliche. This is a trope of a lot of movies, especially fantasy movies, which this is, is basically the damsel in distress. The women characters in this movie are terrible. They're either non-existent, like literally, like the one guy's girlfriend. I don't think she said more than two lines in that movie. Right? Like, I don't think she did either. And she's a plot device. Jack Burton's love interest is annoying and ultimately becomes a just an, a redundant plot device. And they never really say how she is there. Like, is she investigating something for them? or She's like this random lady that they see at the airport. And then she shows up at the people's house or whatever restaurant, whatever it is, wherever they're hanging out. And, like, they all know her. Like, it's weird. It's weird. But, like Flash Gordon, it becomes damsel in distress the evil sorcerer type guy is going to marry her. So we have to save her times two in this. And that is something that comes up, will come up in a lot of movies. So it's not great in that respect. I feel like because I'm a man, I have an easier time overlooking that, Mm -hmm. but it's still, it's still relevant as problematic. Mm -hmm. And the thing I I didn't mention about the thing is people criticize it for not having any women characters. Um, The thing, it seems like less of an issue to me. Again, I apologize. If I was a woman, maybe I'd feel different, but nothing goes good for anybody in the thing. Don't put a woman in that position. Right. It's just, and you know what? If they did put a woman in that position, she'd be 
the woman. Mm-hmm. There'd be one. The original thing did have women in it. And that movie's way older, so that's interesting. But it's crazy. That means you got nothing else to say. That's, uh, that's fine. So I really don't know what to rate this. I'm torn on it because I don't hate the movie, even though I trash talked it a lot. I do hate that monster costume, though. The monster. I don't yeah. like the look of it, but I do like the effects. Like most yeah. of all the other effects look pretty good. That to me. looked like a Jim Henson Muppet. Yeah. I didn't like it. It did look grotesque, but I just didn't like it. Look. I give it two. Two. Are you sure? That's a lot lower than I expected. Two. Okay. I really want, I really worry that I colored your review of it. Although you did say before I said anything to you about it that you just said, wow, just wow. I think I will say you influenced me in this way that I actually am now, when I look at a movie, I'm actually like tearing apart it, tearing it apart for what it is. Yeah. I mean, that could be a good thing and a bad thing. I think in general it's a good thing because you'll be less tolerant of crap movies that don't deserve your tolerance. But you don't want to go so far as to like ruin movies that otherwise could just be good, stupid fun. I don't want to be that guy that walks out through like, that was garbage. That was garbage. <laughs> but sometimes a movie is garbage and it's worth being like, that is garbage. And sometimes things are so garbage, you're like, you know what? That was ridiculously fun garbage. <laughs> right. So. But yeah, I'm sticking with two. Two out of five. I love me some Carpenter movies, all right? I'm a John Carpenter fan, but that doesn't mean I have to like all of them. And if you are of the opinion that, well, you're not a Carpenter fan, go watch The Ward and tell me how good that movie is. I'm still tempted to give it three just because it's Big Trouble in Little China. I'm going to give it 2.5. That'll be my compromise because I don't hate it, but I don't like it nearly as much as everybody I know likes it. I think I, I hate the characters and it looks good. The action is not great. There were some cool things. I like where the dude like runs through the uh, along the archway. Like yeah. he straight up runs. Like I thought that was cool. Like there's some cool stuff in it for sure. Yeah. The sets look good. The running gag of the, you know, the Chinese, they have a hell for everything. The hell of a thousand cuts and whatever else. Yeah. <sighs> Don't care for that running the gag. Hanging upside down one or Yeah, the hell of hanging upside down the of the hanging upside down. I don't know. I didn't that fell flat for me. And is also probably racist. I don't know. <laughs> but it's not the race thing that like ruins the movie for me. I've just never been a huge fan of it. Probably get disowned by somebody because of that. All right, Jasper. The movie studios have been trying to figure out how to bring back Big Trouble in Little China for years. And they also want to bring back the thing again. Except maybe all CGI this time. A CGI yes. ad- animated adventure called The Thing. Made by DreamWorks. <laughs> So, Jasper, how would you combine John Carpenter's The Thing with John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China in one Carpenteristic cinematic universe? Or do you want to kick it over to Matt D first? We're going to kick this over to Matt D. Okay, let's kick I am going to admit that I had no connection. You're admitting defeat? I am. You better come up with something. The only connection I would have is that the whole movie of Big Trouble in Little China is the monster. And Kurt Russell sets it on fire. <laughs> I thought you were going to go this way. I thought you were going to go this way, and I kind of like this. Big Trouble in Little China is McCready's dying dream as he's falling asleep, as he's freezing to death. That is his last dream. Yep. Yeah, I've got to admit defeat on this one. <laughs> oh, come on. No, you can do something. We can't admit defeat. But fortunately, 
Matt D is relying on us. Don't let him down. I uh, can't. Don't let him down. You think of something while I read you, Matt D's. So Matthew Downs sent us an email, as I mentioned, with his unsolic- unsolicited pitch, which is great. I love it. And before I get to it, I do want to say, listener, if you're listening to us right now, if you got a pitch for any random pair of movies or you know we're doing a certain pair of movies and you come up with something something entertaining, it could be good, it could be bad, it could be dumb, it could be brilliant, send us an email, write, write it down, jot it down, put it in a bottle, throw it in the ocean, and then type it out on the computer. We won't find it. And we won't find it, but then you can type it out on the computer and send it to letters, L-E-T-T-E-R-S, letters, at grolixpodcast.com. G-R-A-W-L-I-X, grolixpodcast.com. Do like Matt. Be a hero. Yeah, and also if you want to and write that write that connection between two movies or two random movies and throw it in the ocean, send us a picture because I want to see it. <laughs> and then copy, paste, put it back on your computer. <laughs> this is the, the kind of stuff that Matt D thinks about when he's on his lunch break. <laughs> he come up with this on his lunch break. So Jack Burton is about to leave San Francisco when he gets a call over a CB radio from his twin brother, John McCready Burton. <laughs> you it looks like you about lost it with the Burton edition of the last to the to the name. Wow, good job, Matt. John, John Re- reeled it right in for me. Actually, he's, you looked. You, he said it. He said it perfectly. Now, John McCready Burton, who just happens to be landing his helicopter in Chinatown, McCready needs help with a friend who is very sick. Turns out the friend is possessed by an alien creature from the Arctic expedition they just left. Jack asks Egg Shen to help out, and with a poor attempt to find out what is wrong, they accidentally release the thing into the building where Lopan perished. Now, this thing gets some blood from Lopan's body and mimics him, and the thing attempts to take over Chinatown. Now McCready and Jack need to team up with Wang and Egg Shen to stop the thing that caused big trouble in Little China. Written, directed, and music composed by John Carpenter. <laughs> I love the name. I, like I was struggling to have. I like we always come up with, with almost always. I don't think we did last episode. We usually come up with some stupid, obvious on the nose combination of the name. And I was struggling for this. I was like the thing in Little China, but I love <laughs> the thing that caused big trouble in Little China is pretty good, right? So that was Matt D's pitch. What do you think of this? I love the last name thing, man. That is that is awesome. <laughs> You're still stuck on the last I name did thing. Not give it to- so what sold me, what like when I read this initially, what sold me on it was like, I love the idea of the thing mimicking Lopan then, because like, what would that entail? But then I watched the movie and I was like, no, this is going to be hard. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's fun. McCready Burton. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I like making them twin brothers because, okay, so here's my pitch. My pitch is, I'm actually going to arrange it a little differently. In my pitch, Jack Burton leaves San Francisco. He has another encounter because that monster's still on the back of his truck. And he decides, you know what? I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to just go. I'm going to keep driving. I'm going to go. I'm I'm done with this. This is craziness. He ends up in Antarctica because that's about as far away as you can get. That's probably not true. You just go to the other side of the world. But, you know, there's not going to be any crazy low pan uh, spirit sorcerers or anything around there. And he's still doing transport. He's the pilot. He's a little bit more negative and quiet now, but whatever. Right. Well, then the thing happens. 
He did have to change his name, of course, because that's how these things go. Then the, the movie, the thing happens. And as him and Childs are waiting to die, and all of a sudden there's a, I guess, a, a snowcat or something. You know, some type of vehicle comes in and out hops Egg Shen. And he's like, Jack! <laughs> and Jack's like, I don't go by that name anymore. He's like, Jack, I need your help. <laughs> so, uh, because Jack, he's not going back to China. He's going on vacation. You know where he was going to vacation? The Arctic. It's <laughs> 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 like random snowcat just <laughs> so, <laughs> like he had to get from San <laughs> Jack drove his semi up there so, somewhere along the lines learned picture. learned how to become a pilot I just picture like top of Canada just, just a semi driving into the water <laughs> he got there well no then he he really lost his truck and that's when he learned oh I'm this I'm going to become a pilot, then I can cinematic, just go anywhere. The cinematic universe also brought on ice truckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, ice truckers is a spinoff of this. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. Um, telling the full tale of the the trail that Jack Burton blazed. So that trail is not going to be that trail is going to be short lived. However, my friend, because it turns out between child childs and what's his name, one of them is the thing. It's McCready. So the rest of the movie is actually the adventures of Egg Shen and Keith David as childs because they got it. Sorry, McCready. Yep. That took the wind out of your sails, didn't it? <laughs> because, okay, so here's the deal. Here's the problem. I was like, I like Matt D's making them twin brothers because these characters are worlds apart. McCready and Jack Burton are nowhere near the same type of character. So my initial idea of like, well, there's the same guy. That's my go-to, you know. He just changed his name for whatever reason. Oh, God. Why he changed his name is because that intro scene to Big Trouble in Little China, some government agency's after him because he just took off and they want to find out what happened. And he's like, screw that. I'm going to Antarctica or wherever, <laughs> the North Pole, and uh, changing my name. They call me Mac, like Mac Truck. That's where you come up with the name. McReady, MacReady. <laughs> what? What? Oh. <sighs> I really wanted to make a joke with his last name in Tech Nine. MacReady and Tech Nine. Tech Nine. Yeah. MacReady? Mac Mine would be that the monster on the back of his truck at the end of that one, the monster kills him, becomes him. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay, okay, keep going, keep going. And then that monster knows that he has a twin brother monster up in Antarctica. <laughs> he, he, he drains to be a helicopter pilot, so he knows he'll get stationed in the <laughs> So your pitch is my pitch, only it's the monster instead of <laughs> instead of Jack Burton. <laughs> so he finds out that the Norwegians found him. And he's trying to get rid of some Oh, wait. The Norwegians found his brother monster. Yeah. <laughs> You're selling me on this, man. You are selling so me on this. He has to play along like, oh, no, they're going to find my brother. And what we find out is Childs is his brother, and they're both monsters. And they, they just... Wait, Childs is his monster? Childs becomes the monster at the end. Okay. So 
Oh, since since so his brother that, monster took over. The one that got over... killed in the tunnel was like a brother of theirs, but he's like a half brother, and they didn't like him, so they're okay, <laughs> so they're okay with it. <laughs> okay, he was a jerk. Him. He's always yeah. making spacecraft and stuff. Or you could make the one in the tunnel is like their dad and they didn't like him. <laughs> and that's why he cussed at him at the last line because he's like, I hate you, dad. Bam. <laughs> I have not left that hard one. Wow. Oh, and you said you didn't have a pitch for this. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that the monster kills Jack and assumes his place. <laughs> he becomes a truck driver a couple years. Oh, man. Basically, the monster... <laughs> That's up in the frozen Arctic is basically the Captain America. <laughs> so you're truly setting up a thing, Big Trouble, Little China cinematic universe, where this is just the first like installment. The team hasn't even come together yet. <laughs> so they get together and they're sitting there by the fire talking and they're like, you know what? We need to call him backup. Boom. Here comes E.T. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Nice. Tying it all together. And then their ET's like their little stupid little brother that ate too much lead paint <laughs> on its way down. I love the theory. That's a that's a that's a well, it's a, probably a joke, but it feels like a theory that ET is kind of like a handicapped alien that got left behind. <laughs> and like other aliens are way smarter and can like communicate properly. <sighs> oh, that was a good pitch, man. Phone home and they just hung up on him. He keeps calling. <laughs> Whew, we got to wrap this. But first, we haven't figured out what we're watching next episode. We're going to do that right now. None of this flip-floppy Randy business. We're going to leave this up to chance. Computerized, pseudo-random chance. So I have a list of double features here. This is going to be somewhat s slightly random. I've chosen four out of our list. And now we're going to randomly generate. We're going to use a random number generator to choose which of the four. One, two, three, or four. Hit it, and I'll tell you which one we're watching, which pair of movies we're watching next. You ready? Ready. Four. We're going to watch Cabin in the Woods and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The movie. The movie. Joss Whedon double block. Joss Whedon written movies. That was recommended by Jesse. It's a good idea. It's a good It's a good double I feature. I to that one. I, it has been so long since I've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. And as people know, I'm sure by now, if they listen to any of, Grog's podcast. I recently rewatched all of the Buffy and Buffyverse TV series. So it'd be really interesting to revisit the movie after finishing all of that. And Cabin in the Woods, though. Uh, heads up, I, I kind of like that movie. So I think I've seen that one. Cabin in the Woods is the kind of movie you could kind of pair with any horror movie. And that's why Jesse's suggestion of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is kind of brilliant because it's vampires, it's a horror theme, but it's more of a comedy. It's not a horror movie. So plus the Joss Whedon connection. I, I won't lie, though. That's one I'm looking forward to doing, and I was really trying to saddle us with one that I'm not looking forward to, just because I think it would make a more fun episode. Thank you for listening. I'm Randy. You can uh, follow me on Twitter, at Randall Sylvie. I'm not going to tell you how to spell it. Figure it out. I'll give you a clue. There's not two L's in it. Losers. <laughs> uh, you can also follow Grolix Podcast at Grolix Podcast on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Grolix Podcast, Instagram.com slash Grolix Podcast. Um, also hit up Facebook.com slash Randall Sylvie Podcaster. Still not going to tell you how to spell it out. GrolixPodcast.com, PodEdit.com, ElectronicMediaCollective.com. <laughs> RandallSylvie.com will just link you to all those websites I just said. 
Is that an actual thing? Yeah. Oh, sweet. RandallSylvie.com. Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Okay, Jasper, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NinjaMonkeyLive. I'm going to go with that and you can figure out how to spell it because I spell it. No, but tell them the three. <laughs> if you're going to put one letter as a number, wait, yeah, one number as a letter, you got to tell them how to do it. Okay, so it's at NinjaMonkeyLive, which is N-I-N-J-A-M-U-N-K-3-Y, okay. live, or live, mm-hmm. or the same in, in, on Instagram. Okay. How was that spelled? <laughs> I'm not going to make you spell it again. You go to jasperknight.com, it does not take you to, I don't even Google that. What do you think? It's like a sexy, erotic site. Oh my God. What? I said I it was sexy. It okay. I'll get it up now. Do it. Oh God, no. I'm going to do it. And the listener's going to sit here. <laughs> Wait. Listen. Right about now, there's synth music coming up. And we're fading out. And listeners, I'm, I'm just going to loop it extra long so people are like expecting it to like kick to the full music eventually. It's just going to be this for like five minutes. All right. Goodbye, LA Times article from 1986. Jasper. K-N-I-G-H-T. It's Jasper Knight Chess. JasperKnight.com. It's loading. Okay, jasperknight.com leads to a message that says, currently updating Jasper's website for the first time since 2008. Please check back soon. If you need to contact him in the meantime, please email his name in like, what is that, parentheses? Mm -hmm. At jasperknight.com. He's been working. So is that Jasper at JasperKnight.com? Well, Jasper at JasperKnight.com, I apologize, but we're putting your email on blast. Right. Jasper, I want we'll you to... find out who you are. What is your website supposed to be? It's supposed to have unicorns on it. It's supposed to have unicorns. Is that what you would have on your website? It's a big old unicorn on there. If I had, like, just... It's horn would be a link... It'd be a link <laughs> to what? Um, the horn will be My Little Pony season one. <laughs> okay. Um, told you this was gonna be sexy. So bad. <laughs> I you didn't even catch mine. Hmm? The hooves will lead you to a hoof fetish website. <laughs> oh man, one of those infamous hoof fetish websites. <laughs> Or you could do, or the hooves that you click on, they teach you how to play horseshoes. Oh. Kind of a learn learning curve there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <But> yeah. This chair is the worst. This chair is the Satan's.